Hi, listeners. This episode was recorded before the war in Gaza started, so we wanted to record a little extra intro because the episode we did record is actually quite silly. Yes, we just wanted to take a moment to name that we mourn for all the lives lost. We stand for a free Palestine and a Judaism beyond Zionism. And we hope our silly little podcast brings you some comfort in this time of anxiety and grief. So without any further ado, here is our regularly scheduled episode. Oh, hello, Hava. Oh, hello, Michael. Skeeter, that's loud. Quiet down. I know. He's a very loud boy. But very cute, though. He's earned it. Say hello. Oh, baby. He's so adorable. Yeah, he is. Ace hears me talking doggy talk to another dog. He's like, who? Mm, what are you doing? I heard you saying something else is cute other than me. Now, I'm looking at your sweater right now, or is it a shawl? No, like a, a wrap. Cardigan. Cardigan, thank you. I know it's not pink, but it kind of has a Neapolitan ice cream flavor going. There's a there's a one pink stripe. Like, this color is kind of like a dusty rose tone. So, there is there's some pink within it. Yeah, you look like ice cream. It's great. You're welcome. Which I feel like is a compliment like an 11-year-old boy would make to an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. The best kind. I think so. How are you, Hava? No, I asked how you oh, are. Oh, you did. You're recovering from being sick. Are you recovered? Are you healed? Uh, sort of. I was like sick, normal person sick. And then I was special person sick because mm -hmm. I'm special. Like not COVID is what you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I mean like a weird neural pinch, pinched nerve thing in my neck oh, kind of thing. But I'm doing some stretches. I'm going to go see a physical therapist. It's going to be great. Great. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. It's fall. It's really fall. Yeah, it's it's fall is falling. Fall is is approaching fast. We processed seven pumpkins yesterday. Wow. Which doesn't sound like a lot of pumpkins to process, but it kind of is. I mean, I feel like just processing one pumpkin. I'm thinking back to jack-o'-lantern carving days. I'm like, just one pumpkin, just preparing it to become a jack-o'-lantern is exhausting yeah yeah it was it was an overwhelming experience yeah i guess it's a good thing pumpkins keep i guess that's their whole deal yeah that's part of their deal yeah they keep that's part of the social contract we have with pumpkins uh i was also harvesting the dried sweet corn Ooh. so what do you do with dried sweet corn kernels personally C cook it or impersonally, I don't know. You cook it, what do you do with it? Impersonally, professionally. I mean, you could just like put it in a soup. You could grind it up into a flour. For me, dried corn is like put it in any cooking situation where it's going to have time to soak up moisture. I tried an experiment. I wanted to see if I could pop dried sweet corn. Mm -hmm. uh, you really can't. They do swell up and then they just look like popping corn kernels after they've popped, quote unquote. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. And you can eat them and it's kind of like eating sweet corn chewing gum <laughs> Ew. no it's actually kind of kind of nice i would recommend that 
I open my heart to the experience. I don't know. So, you know, whatever. Vegetables. That's how I am. Vegetables and <laughs> illness. How, how are you, Ava? Baruch Hashem. I'm okay. I'm tired from just like high holidays. The holidays start coming and they don't stop coming. Rest in peace. <sighs> True. To rip to a real one. Yeah. So I'm sort of tired from that. And I've been having to really like manage my anxiety about all the stuff that will be going on like later in the winter. I'm just like, don't be anxious about things that are two months away, which is uh, a challenging exercise. I'm sort of uh, experimenting with a new a new variety of gaming hobby. Oh. I'm kind of always on the lookout for the right hobby for myself because Jewish text study used to be my hobby and then it became my job. And so there's always been sort of like a void left mm -hmm. by that so i've been dabbling a little bit in fighting games like street fighter and the reason that this is such a different experience for those of you out there who don't know fighting games like street fighter are actually really technical i mean it can be like another game where you just sit down and you have fun and you play it but they're like a, a worldwide sport there are like tournaments where people win a million dollars part of the reason that it's able to be like that is because you can get good at them in the way you get good at an instrument. You can like practice the mechanical skill, learn the theory of like how people play that game. So I've been sort of experimenting with playing those because they've never been my gaming genre, but the idea of something that it has like that mechanical practice to it is kind of appealing to me. So I've, I've been messing around with that. That is so strange, just the whole mentality with how you went about approaching wanting to play fighting games. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> oh yeah, fighting games are cool. You just mash the buttons and stuff happens and it's fun. No, That's my hobby. No. I like, for instance, I like go into the practice room within the fighting game and I do my moves against the computer and then I look at a little meter on the bottom of the screen that tells me how many animation frames that move took and I compare how many of those frames are safe versus unsafe and oh then that's God. how i decide what to do at what time not that i'm any good at it yet but like this is the kind of process we're talking about what if you just do that in the real world you become an mma fighter <laughs> yeah i have done martial arts from time to time and really enjoyed fighting one of the challenges of that hobby is that it requires frequent vehicular transportation yeah that's true there are a lot of criterias right that this hobby has to meet for me i have to be able to like easily do it because if it's not easy to do it's too easy to quit it has to be really accessible for me to do it has to be fun it has to be practicable or like something you can do mindlessly on a daily basis right like crochet is sort of in this category for me whenever I'm in a, a crochet phase, right? Because crochet is like, I can get better at it, but I can also just sit there and crochet for three hours and not think a single thought. Yeah, anyway, it's a journey. I'm experimenting with it on one of my screens. Sometimes I'll have fighting game tournaments playing in the background. So I feel like I finally, you know, my dad was always trying to get me to watch sports and embrace sports growing up. And now I feel like in a weird twisted way, I've like finally become the jock he wanted me to be. It's wild. That's very strange. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you, Hava. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's fun. It's like putting on a different hat. You know, I think that's what part of what I like most about it is like fighting games have never been something I cared about at all before. So it's very much like, oh, I'm putting on this costume. How does this feel? I 
think that's great, Hava. I think that's great. <laughs> I don't fully... You said it in a way that made it seem like no, you don't think that? No, I do think it's great. I just don't fully get it. But I think there's the video game barrier to entry that I have, you know. Right. You're already one level removed from this whole situation. Right, right. Exactly. Wow. I Yeah. Thanks for the support. I have so many things I want to say about trans people in sports, <laughs> but I probably can't on the pot. So I'm just going to put a pin yeah, in that. I, I mean, I've definitely been sort of like, as I watch these fighting tournaments, trying to get the vibe, like, is this like a online community where people are like chill or is, there, is this going to be like, I'm going to find out the fighting game community is mostly fascists. Like, <laughs> what am I dealing with here? Oh, that. Oh, you're like, you're actually talking to people who do this. You're not doing this. Well, in I've like commented on a few Reddit threads, but I would like, I mean, I fight people online. So like I do run into people. So I, I want to, like, get the vibe, you know? I mean, you're probably playing mostly against, like, 13-year-old Enbies, is my guess. God, I hope so. I mean, also, I hope not because they're obliterating me, so... Yeah, I don't know. What's worse, getting defeated in a video game by a 13-year-old or a 65-year-old? They're both great, actually. I take it back. I embrace defeat as a learning tool. Anyway, enough about my superfluous hobbies. We've gathered here today to do what we do every week, Pinky. Mm, yeah. Try to read the Talmud. Right, right. We're going to just travel down a doff. We're just going to travel okay. down a doff. Great. Take me on the journey. I think we may have covered parts of this. So this may be what doff is it? a review. Kiddushin 81A. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll see. Okay, so we are talking about separating the genders. Very important. In physical space. In physical oh, got space. It. Not in outer space. Not Just in outer in space. Physical space. <laughs> this is so funny. Okay, I don't know what this page is going to be about today, but I was just thinking about Mechitza, which is like the barrier that they put up in shuls where they're gender divided is called a mechitza. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then someone in a Facebook thread used the phrase trichitza for a mechitza that has three sides. And I was just like spending some time daydreaming today and imagining a dodecahitra, dodecahitza, and like what level of chitza could we get to? I think we're going in the wrong direction. We need a Mobius. <laughs> right, right. We need like an MC, MC Escher mechitza. Yeah. The M in MC Escher stands for mechitza. I feel like that would be a really funny thing for like a progressive synagogue to have a mechitza that's like Mobius strip. So it'd be very anyway, silly. Anyway, what's the Talmud actually talking about? Okay, well, separation of the genders. We're talking about concerns when the men and the women are together and they're alone. We all know okay. that's no good, right? right? No, no, no. Second only to mixed dancing. Yes. Rabba says if a woman's husband is in town, there is no concern, concern around another man and the woman, you know, being alone together because the husband is in town. So the other man isn't going to do anything shady because the husband could return at any moment. Right. Okay. So Rav Yosef says if there's an open entrance to the public domain, there is no concern due to being secluded. So there's no concern around seclusion of a man and a woman together because if the only way to get to the woman is through a public domain, a man isn't going to walk through that door. Right, right. If it's like a Princess Peach and Bowser's Castle situation. That's the only reason she could be alone with Bowser, halachically. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
<laughs> yes, because the entrance was public and any gamer exactly, could go exactly. in. Mario could just waltz in. That this presumes that the Bowser and Peach are our husband and wife, though. Right, and it presumes their genders. Anyway, Bowser unclear. Peach is a fruit. <laughs> Rav Beve, Rav BV. Let's call him Rav BV. BV. A uh, Rav BV arrived at Rav Yosef's house. After he ate his meal, he said to the members of the household, "Remove the ladder from beneath BV." So Yosef says, "Okay, BV, you're staying here for the night. We're just like gonna remove the ladder that goes to your room. We're gonna trap you in the attic. Yes, so yes. that there are no concerns of impropriety." Right, right, right. But the Gemara asks, wait a minute, wait a minute, but the husband is home, so why do you need to remove the ladder, right? Right. Right? So he's not going to, like, do anything sneaky. Well, this case with Rav Bivi is different, and not because Rav Bivi is, like, a super hunk. It's Uh because he is friends with Yosef, and because they're friends, she's extra familiar with him, so that makes him more... (laughs) Right. She's much more likely to cheat on Rav Yosef. Yes. So, your friends, you have to be more cautious with your friends. Not because your friends are going to be more skeevy, but probably because your wife is going to be more susceptible to... Because if you're a rabbi, your wife is definitely unfulfilled, and... She's going to be scoping out all the hunks at the yeshiva. Yeah, and Rav BV is the way to go, I guess, perhaps. Rav Kahana says, if the men are located in an outer room and the women are on the inside, there isn't any concern for seclusion. Okay, if they're in their man cave. If they're in their man cave. Or a sukkah, as the case may be. And if there's like an exclave of women inside the man cave, then that's fine. But if the men are in an inner chamber and the women are in an outer chamber, then that is a concern because then a man could claim he's leaving. Like, oh, I'm I'm peacing out, boys. But his right. path of leaving to go outside goes through the women's chamber. So that's okay. no good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to see how that is different than the previous situation. Well, in but... the previous situation, if one man enters the inner room, then he's seen by all the other men, so he can't really do it in private. It's like the equivalent of uh, the public domain entrance door, I guess. Mm, okay. But the women will just tolerate whatever, I, so you can't trust them. I guess so. Women are like gazelle, you know? <laughs> They're kind of like, they can't really speak for themselves. Right. Can't move freely, can't be trusted, can't read the Torah. That's one. We're just rolling right. through sugyas. Blast me with the misogyny. But then the Gemara goes on. Next is like, no, 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 I've heard the opposite. Abai is like, yeah, let's just not have either, just to be on the safe side. So that seems wise. All right, Abai. I respect that. Now we get into something well, kind of interesting. Okay. Okay. Abaye would arrange rows of pitchers between the men and women so that they would not be able to cross from one area to the other without making a noise. Rava would arrange rows of reeds to prevent passage. Avin said, and I don't know who Avin is. Yeah, I've never heard of this I've guy never heard before. of Avin. Uh, said the wound, sakva, i.e. the most vulnerable point of this kind of seclusion and naughtiness happening, occurs during the festival time during the year, 
I don't know. Would that be Purim? I'm assuming Purim. I guess it could be Purim. I mean, I don't have I don't have the daf that you're reading from in front of me right now. I'm just letting you letting it wash over me. I'm also wondering he could just mean any of the three pilgrimage festivals. Sometimes when it's like general festival, that's what I think of when they say festivals. I think of big three pilgrimage festivals anyway what do you think the vulnerability is men and women come together and there's joyousness and celebration and like there's that kind of proximity yeah i guess so i'm trying to figure out like why specifically this arrangement is weak to that seems like all times of the year would be weak to that like why specifically is the pictures and the reeds susceptible to being overcome during festival time Oh, 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 I think it's just another thought. We're oh, just throwing just thoughts. Like additionally, the hardest time to keep everyone from fucking inappropriately is a is festival. festival time. Yeah, okay. I can agree with that easily. Keep the boys away from the girls with pictures. Oh, no, I do it with reeds. Hey, by the way, festivals, that's when it really goes down. Right. This really is a mixed dancing episode, because all I can imagine is the the wedding from Fiddler on the Roof, where they have a little rope in between them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then as soon as the rabbi touches the bride, the Cossacks right. show up. So there you go. Which is proof that that's why they were punished for mixed dancing. The Cossacks were sent to punish us for mixed dancing. Blasting through. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may have covered this. So there's a story in the Gemara that there were some captive women. I think there were women that were captive that maybe we we somehow got them. We saved them from captivity. Yeah. Were these Rav Nachman's daughters who stirred the pot with their hand? It could have been. I don't know. It might be. Unclear. We're just picking up. Okay, so we just start with the women captive. Women captives. They were brought to the city of Nechardea. Mm-hmm. And they are brought up to the house of Rav Amran the Pious. I don't trust him already. I know. Anyone I know. who's got the pious at the end of their name, I'm like, I don't know about you. Well, we'll find out if we should trust him or not. They put the women in a room. They remove the ladder. So none of the men. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Fellas, is it gay to remove the ladder? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't want my wife interrupting my bro time. So apparently... They were very, very beautiful. So Rav Amran, the pious, he grabbed a ladder. He was like overcome with like, you know, desire. desire. He grabbed a ladder that 10 men couldn't lift on their own. He did it by himself and he starts climbing the, the ladder. Sheer power of horny. <laughs> sheer horniness power. Takes the ladder, slaps it on the side of the wall or whatever, starts going up it. When he's halfway up the ladder... He strengthened his legs against the sides of the ladder and raised his voice and said, there is a fire in the house of Amran. Like, help, help, my house is on fire. So all the sages hear him and they come out and they see him. This is some wily coyote shit. (laughs) It is a little crazy, but it all makes sense. The sages come out. And they're like, why did you do that? Oh, my God, look, you're halfway up this ladder trying to sleep with these ladies. This is really embarrassing. You're a sage. We're sages. This makes us look bad. Can I just guess what he's going to say? What's he going to say? I think he's going to say basically like, and that's why 
you shouldn't just take the ladder out. That's why we need to be even more careful. Because I could have just gotten up there in a second. Close. Okay. He said, tell me, tell me. it's better that you be shamed in my house in this world and not be ashamed of me in the world to come. Oh, so he was like, I was really going to do it, but then I tattled on myself. I self-sabotaged yes, my self-sabotage. Yes, yes, yes. Self-sabotage squared to cancel each other out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he took an oath that his evil inclination should emerge from him and an apparition similar to a pillar of fire emerged from him. He said to his evil inclination, see, you are a fire and I am mere flesh and yet I am still superior to you. I was able to overcome you. There you go. Wow. That last part seems superfluous <laughs> that he called out his Yetzirah just to say like, yeah, so take that, bitch. Try me. <laughs> but whatever floats your boat, Ravamran. That's a while. I don't know. I don't think we have covered that before. Okay. I thought maybe we had covered that story. Feels like there's a lot of a lot of weird parts. Why did the women need to be captive in the beginning? What did that add to the whole situation? <sighs> yeah, I, Did I it don't just know. allow us to have women in the story? It's like, in what situation would there be three women together? Like, yeah, in, in our house. think of something. What do women do? Uh, get taken captive yeah i think we'd like maybe rescue them or something i don't yeah, know perfect yeah that'll be so cool so continuing to blast through great so rabbi mayor he would lecture at you know transgressors who were tempted by these sorts of things mm -hmm. and uh, there's a story about him that one day satan appeared to him and i believe the exact hebrew word is shin tav nun so it is satan mm -hmm. one day satan appeared to him as a woman standing on the other side of the river since there was no ferry to cross the river he took hold of a rope bridge and crossed the river when he reached halfway across the rope bridge the evil inclination left him and said to him were it not for the fact that they proclaim about you in heaven, be careful with regard to Rabbi Mer and his Torah. I would have made your blood like two ma, like two coins. Basically, I would have made you into nothing. I would have like let you go do the evil deed. Right. This is, brings up a lot for me. I know. Okay, so we have the personification of the evil inclination, which is was brought up in the prior story with the ladder. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's okay. So we have Satan, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. And then we have the personification of the evil inclination. And then we have that evil inclination basically saying, I would have not left you. I would have let you go through with it if it were not for like all the what they say about you in heaven and how like righteous you are and sort of. Right. They know about you. They there. know about you. I guess it's the e evil inclination that's saying it. it's not Satan saying this to right. Rabbi Mayor. Right. I mean, there is one little sogia that says Satan and the Angel of Death and the Yetzirah are all the same thing, but questionable. It's kind of like, uh, you know how you see on Wikipedia, like, citation needed, but it's like within the Talmud, citation needed. <laughs> you could say it's like the Jewish trinity. You know, it's yeah, Satan and exactly. We believed in the trinity this whole time, just like the bad trinity. What this really brought up for me was uh, thinking back to our Bruria episode where we talked about the quote-unquote the incident with Bruria, where Rebbe Mayer supposedly, we learned that this may not be true, laid a trap for her by having one of his students seduce her. Right, right, right. Which is like feels even more twisted now because I'm finding out that Rebbe Mayer only got off the hook because of basically factors completely outside of his control. 
because his Yetzer Hara decided to be cautious, he ended up not fucking the devil. So it feels pretty hypocritical for him to construct an adultery trap for his wife. Yeah, it is hypocritical, but it's also very strange to be revealing all of these details about the um, failures. I don't know. I don't know. In the society we live in, a story like this, even though they get off scot-free, would be very embarrassing. Yeah, we have a lot of stigma around being seen as thirsty. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So there's another story. Akiva basically goes through the same thing. Maybe we talked about this one, but basically Satan, woman, but in this case, not across a river in the top of a palm tree. And he climbs up halfway up the palm tree. Then, you know, the evil inclination leaves him. Same spiel, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. Yeah. So Akiva sometimes gets a little We've horny. all been there. So then there's a bunch of sugyas that are all about this interaction between Satan and this sage, Palamio, some weird sage named Palamio, who had the habit of every day saying an arrow in the eye of Satan. So he's mocking Great. Satan. Very superstitious feeling. Yes. He's trying to dissuade himself from like doing the evil stuff, doing the evil Got sexy it. stuff. Okay. So Satan doesn't like this. And Satan goes to him as a pauper and is like, hey, I'm poor. It's the eve of Yom Kippur. You should, like, let me in and feed me. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll let you in and feed you. And, and Satan accelerates. You know, he keeps on one up and he's like, you should let me eat at your table. Give me a cup. And Satan's like a sexy pauper in this situation. I don't think he's sexy. Okay. Maybe he's sexy. No, no. I think it's not a sexy pauper. It's just a pauper that he's kind of guilt tripping him into okay. giving him stuff. If you give the devil a cookie. Yes, yes. So Satan, he's acting really disgusting at the meal. They berate him and he sinks down and dies. And then a bunch of people are like, oh my God, you killed Satan. Maybe by berating him, maybe with like the food you gave him. Well, they don't know Mm -hmm. it's Satan. You killed the pauper, right? Right. Palamu's all scared and he's hiding. And then the devil reveals himself or Satan reveals himself. Mm -hmm. And Palamu's like, why did you do that? And he's like, well, look. I don't like it that you were saying, put an arrow in my eye. And Palamia's like, well, what should I have said instead? And Satan's like, you should have said, let the merciful one rebuke the Satan. Interesting. So Satan is teaching you that you should not will yourself to defeat him directly, but you should call upon God to do that work for you. What do you think of that, Hava? You know, I get I mean, it just, it's it's really confusing to take this all as a whole because it kind of seems like pro people calling out their Yetzirharas. Like we've just heard a bunch of stories of sort of these heroic, quote unquote, rabbis overcoming temptation. Mm -hmm. And now this last story is like, but actually don't do that. Instead, do this. Like, instead, you should just have God do it for you. Yeah, yeah. It is confusing. All of these stories together seem to have, like, slightly different views on how temptation and evil work in the world. Yeah, Like, is it its own being with its own autonomous thing? Is it, like, our own weakness? Do we overcome it? Does God overcome it? Yes, yes. Do women have agency in this? No. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. That one is fully answered. Well, Um, I'll leave you with the last sugis, where where the woman does have some agency in this. Great. And it's going to sound familiar. 
So the Gemara says, Rabbi Hia Bar-Ashi, he was accustomed to say, whenever he would fall on his face in prayer, may the merciful one save us from the evil inclination. One day his wife heard him saying this prayer. She said, after all, it has been several years since he has withdrawn from having sex with me due to his advanced age. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the reason that he continues to say this prayer? That he doesn't want to be overcome with the evil inclination, doesn't Right. Yeah. Who is he lusting after, if yeah. not me? That's weird. So one day, while he was studying in the garden, she adorned herself and repeatedly walked past him. He said, who are you? She said, I am Haruta, who was a prostitute, returning from my day of work. He propositioned her. She said to him, give me that pomegranate from the top of the tree as payment. He leapt up, went, brought it to her, and, you know, they had and sex. she killed him with it instantly. When he came home, his wife was lighting a fire in the oven. He went and sat inside it. She said to him, what is this? And he said to her, you know, all this bad, I did all this stuff. And she says to him, but don't worry about it, it was me. He was like, no... I don't believe you. You're just trying to like make it so I don't sit in the in the fire. And then she's like, "Well, look, I got the pomegranate." And she's like, "Well, in any event, I wanted to transgress, so I'm just gonna stay here, presumably, in the fire." Wild. Wild. That's the story. Reminds me of that. I forget. It was the Pinhas episode, but it wasn't about Pinhas that we did. I think where there was a woman who pretended to be someone else to This is like a conceive. happens in several stories. Yeah, this not is not just yeah. in in rabbinical but also in biblical. There are right. several instances of women pretending to be other people. Again, yet another reason it feels hypocritical for Revy Mayer to have set a seduction trap for Buria. You know what I've actually been thinking about this whole time is sort of the way that I conceptualize rabbis as thinking about homosexual desire. Which, you know, I, at least for me, I haven't seen much discussion in the Talmud of like whether people experience homosexual urges or not. It's just like, oh, don't, don't do this, maybe. But it's not like exploring the way we think of gayness today as sort of like some people are gay and some people aren't. Like that kind of identity division isn't present. Instead, it's just like, well, anyone, like, of course, we like all want to be gay sometimes, but just don't. And just thinking about how there's no stories like this that are gay makes me think either none of the rabbis are gay, which you know, I don't believe, or there are no stories like this because the rabbis just gave in when they had those urges. I see what you're saying. If the rabbis are willing to admit to the kind of stuff that are in these sugyas. Right, all the more so. Then wouldn't you expect at least some direct gayness to be talked about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how historically viable a theory is that it could have been removed down the lines, or it was just a non-issue. Like, I don't know. Like, it was perceived as, like, not good, but maybe something not worth writing about. Like, there's, I don't think there are any passages about, like, the rabbis playing cards with each other, either. Right. But maybe they did. But maybe they did. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about like which forbidden desires get focused on as like we were so good at resisting these and which ones don't. And what does that say about the rabbis? Yeah, it could be that the homosexual stuff is like less forbidden than this stuff. So it's like less epic to talk about. Right. I mean, gay sex for the most part doesn't result in mamzerim. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like... 
maybe it's more chill. Maybe, maybe it is. Although, even if it's not, it, it also makes me wonder, like, how they conceptualize that desire. Like, did they think of themselves as, like, sort of, oh, like, I don't even have to worry about that mitzvah because that desire would never occur to me? Or was it more like anyone can have any desire at any time and we all have to be on guard against temptation? IDK. Yeah, I'm wondering if they thought of certain sages as being like, oh, that's the sage that like if they're going to do anything, they're going to like drink too much or they're going to bang right. too much or Right. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. They must have thought something about something. Yeah. Much to think about. So yeah, that's the summary. You know, this is kind of the stream of consciousness Talmud experience. We started with talking about separating the genders, how to do it, when to do it. Then we talked about examples of rabbis resisting the urge to seduction to women they shouldn't be seduced by or try seducing, and how that relates metaphysically to Satan and the Yetzer Hara. And then we ended with a little story about um, just... A rabbi not resisting. Not resisting and self-flagellating, even when he discovered that he did not technically do anything wrong. Right. That could be an episode in itself. This was a great stream of consciousness. I enjoyed it. As we wrap up, I just want to make sure our listeners know that very soon, the next Shalmala class is starting. The wonderful Olivia Devora will be returning to the yeshiva to teach a class called The Shady Bunch that starts on October 22nd, a class about demons, melodies, and amulets and cool shit like that. It's going to be incredible. Olivia Devora is particularly good at teaching that kind of mystical stuff, so you really won't want to miss it. Registration is still open now, and I'll put a link in the description. So hope to see you all there. You know, remember to remove your various ladders when you go to bed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tonight. And Shavuotov. Shavuotov.